you're outside. I am. It's spring here in Virginia. It's gorgeous. It's very nice. I think you're the first guest I've had outside bathroom when I made my friends sit outside during the last lockdown. Smart. Smart. Yeah, Yeah, I've actually been doing Zooms from this porch the entire quarantine, including the winter. And I just wear, like, a big fur hat and, like, big fur coat. And um, I have, like, a cigarette flex. Like, I'll just start smoking a cigarette in the middle of meetings. That's not the worst thing you could do in the middle of a meeting, is it? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You just turn off camera every so often and... and oh, and, I don't uh, turn off my camera, no. I mean, no. <laughs> uh, welcome to Yellow Concrete Podcast. Um, thank you for joining me. I mean, you you you, uh, you came to me following one of my other guests. I saw Maddie on your show, uh, Madeline Rondeau, um, and I was like, I need to speak to this man immediately so I too can be on yelling at concrete. I don't. I mean, I don't feel like that many people have that reaction to see <laughs> to hearing me. <laughs> I need to speak to this person. Um, we we need to discuss things and see, see what happened. But yeah, it was lovely to get hit up by you. Um, I'm terrible at introducing people, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself, of who you are and what you do. Um, sure. Um, uh, my name is Ramona Martinez. I am a visual artist, a writer, an arts organizer. I'm a Gemini, so I do lots of things. But um, primarily, my like ideology behind art making is that I think that art all art is inherently political and it's a tool to build a new world in place of the old world that's dying. So that sort of drives all of the art making that I do. Makes a lot of sense. Makes sense. I did notice that you do a lot of things because I do my research. You know, shockingly, I do some research. Um, it may not seem that way <laughs> when I get into things, but you seem to do, you, you seem to be very, I found it interesting because you, you seem to do a lot of what I do in terms of handling multiple projects at once. And some artists are very singular, very stick to one, and, you know, I'm focused on one thing, whereas you really dip into lots of little bits everywhere you go. That's true. Don't really stop, which is nice. It's good. It makes me feel like I'm not, not the only one mad enough to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think we get told a lot in our society that, like, you know, you have to find your thing, like what's mm. your path, your passion. And so, it, you know... It, in my twenties and stuff, it was like, well, I have to figure it out. I have to figure it out. But I think there's a real strength in, in being a polymath, you know, Leonardo da Vinci did everything too. So. He did. Yeah. Look where that got him. <laughs> <laughs> Beloved. I think he died in the arms of a prince. Did he? I think so. I feel like, I mean, I, mean, I feel like I need to verify. I should know more about, to be honest, I should know more about da Vinci. I have um, Vitruvian man tattooed on me. On my shoulder. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you really should know more about him. That's but so- that was like a, a seventeen-year-old Graham. I want oh to be an artist, no. so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get an arty tattoo. Tattoo. So. And Da Vinci was your guy. He was You're my like, guy. Yeah. I want him on my body forever. Well, I couldn't. Also, couldn't find someone who could do Francis Bacon's style. So I, I decided Da Vinci was going to be oh. the one which I was going for. It's so funny you mentioned Francis Bacon. I think about him all of the time because my bedroom looks like his studio. I don't know if oh, really? Of his I have, yeah. I have. yeah. <laughs> but with clothes instead of art supplies. <laughs> so slightly more chaotic then. Like, exactly. Because art supplies, like, there's a, there's, at some point, there's some formality to it. Right? Even though there's chaos on there, I couldn't tell you what's on that desk right now. But there's some formality. But clothes, I feel like there's no order to clothes. There can be. They're just in giant balls on the ground exactly yeah Yeah. um actually yeah francis bacon i can't believe i hadn't thought of him when we were talking about your work because Mm. i can see also why why you like him it it becomes obvious i've had that a few times of people asking me you know like who who you know who inspires you who's your favorite artist and then i mentioned him like oh it like kind of falls into place about how my style developed and how i kind of got to doing what i'm doing but then i don't i i've only been painting this year really oh wow like i I used to paint as a teen and then as i got older i stopped because 
criticism happens. <laughs> Self-criticism, that's what stops me from yeah. making art after I was a teenager. I mean, we'll track back a little bit then. I mean, you, you said you mentioned kind of coming from what your background is. What is your background? Yeah, so um, so I painted a little bit as a 16-year-old. I used a lot of color, mostly did portraits, and I would stay up really late in my at night in my room painting. And uh, and then I just kind of stopped at some point. I think maybe my senior year when I had a lot of work or when I went to college and, mm-hmm. and really didn't do art again for a long time just because I didn't think I had any natural talent at it, which is, you know, a, kind of a lie. Because after I graduated college, I was like, you know what, I really want to learn to draw because I had read enough about art to know that you could really teach yourself. And I had seen... Yeah. Van Gogh's trajectory of really not being able to draw proportionally correct to like being Van Gogh, right? Mm-hmm. So I taught myself to draw about five or six years ago and just started like drawing people's faces uh, over and over again in public when I was out like in coffee shops or restaurants or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then going to figure drawing classes and sort of mastering proportions. Humans have always been like my major artistic focus, like formally, I guess. Yeah something about the human face just like really i don't know i just really like it so anyway eventually that led to a wood engraving class which led to lino cut Mm -hmm. and so now uh you know my my style is pretty graphic definitely often with figures and um and I need to land the plane here. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're all so, about the journey. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I would say uh, I'm mostly self-taught, Yeah. you know, but I had considered going to grad school at one point, but then was kind of like, I don't really feel like a conceptual artist in that sense that I would really get a lot out of that. I kind of like have an established voice now. Yeah. And I, I also don't want, I don't want my art to be influenced like like that. I kind of like the amateurish like quality that it has to it too. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't say amateurish. Like, oh well, thank you. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I've seen your work and, and I, I really enjoy your work. Like as you say, you know, you, you're working in lino cuts. You do get a very um, kind of bold graphic style with it, and it, it just naturally lends itself to that. And it's that um, I always it always makes me think of like medieval etchings because that's what we were shown as kids because. England and history go hand in hand. Um, and it always kind of makes me think back to that. And whenever I see graphic designs which have done that kind of style, it's always a nice little... It's a very impactful way of doing it. And, and having read kind of your work and, and how you feel about printmaking and using that commodification of print within art, I found really interesting. So definitely, definitely not yeah. only amateurish style. Thank you. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess what I mean by that is... is purely in a in a figurative sense like i don't Mm -hmm. i think there's like a a spectrum between like hyper realism and like cartoon or like not more but like more like you know just wrong right um and i'm happy where i am on that spectrum like i don't want to get too medically correct with my figures if that makes sense although it would certainly help me very much like with original compositions and things like that but yeah i mean i tend to ignore composition and how people are meant to look in pictures (laughs) i don't know why i I found out i think it was a thing a while back when especially when i i learned to draw i mean i learned to draw as a kid like just because my dad could draw so i dove into it and i was like oh i'm going to learn to draw and and taught myself as a child um but as i got older and i found more and more kind of traditional art was being pushed on me especially at an educational level that if I wasn't doing traditional classical works and and those kinds of things, my work was seen as bad, I automatically chose to reject it and was like, oh, well, lowbrow art exists and that's, none of them look like real people. And, you know, that seems to be the point. So I just dove into that. Yeah, that's, that's honestly the better way to go. Like, I wish I had a freedom in my work. Like, I definitely Hmm. have this perfectionistic tendency where I want you know, even though I don't want it to look hyper real, I do want there to be a likeness to whoever I'm trying to portray yeah. or whatever, you know. So it's an interesting uh, game. 
that I play with myself in that regard. But I mean, you've got to be happy with your own work, though, right? That's the game. Oh, very much. I mean, honestly, seeing my improvement from where I started, Mm -hmm. you know, like not really being able to draw people consistently well to being happy with every piece. I mean, I don't think many artists can say that. And every piece I see my improvement and I'm like, this really worked and... You know, sometimes I fuck it up and I'm like, I ruined it. But people are like, it's great. Don't. don't I think that's such a good thing, though. This is, I I don't know. I I feel feel like that's quite rare to meet an artist who has set out to learn a methodology and then is comfortable with that and then uses that, takes that further, like takes that further to make original concept art. Like usually someone who learns to draw or learns to paint does it to learn the craft and then gets very oh, yeah. stuck in just kind of making reproductions or doing portraits or that kind of thing. I see so much of technical greatness, but there's never anything concept-wise, which, so it's kind of, it's refreshing. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out, because that was a, a, a big crux for me in, like, my journey as an artist, mm. because I was doing reproductive stuff, which you do when you're learning, right? Yeah. Uh, And then at some point I'm like, what do I have to say as an artist? You know, like what? And I, and I couldn't really figure it out. Um, And I had a neighbor tell me, because I was making a lot of icons always from the beginning, Um, a lot of Virgin Mary icons, but, you know, just reproducing them, not really putting them into a different context or putting my own spin on them or whatever. And he was like, you should really pursue religious art i think there's something there for you um and i had another person i met randomly in chicago who was talking about art and he said that this very successful artist once told him religion is the way to success in the arts which we think like we think about da vinci right like that's like always been this pathway um for artists uh to reach hearts and minds and also like have some measure of success so um, it just kind of, yeah, I was raised in the church, so it was like all of those icons and characters, yeah. I guess, are very familiar to me. And so it's if it's a language that I already speak, I can yeah. riff on the language in a way that is natural to me, um, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, um, it's, it's interesting that you kind of, you, you've gone that way, in a, in a sense, with it. Um, because obviously, I think a lot of eyes who are raised within religion will take it but they'll do an absolute rejection of it you know they want nothing to do with it so if they're going to do it they're going to you know they're going to mess it up they're going to accent it in some way they're going to take the imagery and just completely distort it to make it their own thing but they want it to be a rebellion against religion whereas your work you take very specifically the icons but you retain them as the icons you know if that makes sense yep exactly it's like what I was saying before about religious art essentially trying to reach hearts and minds, mm-hmm. what I said at the beginning of the podcast about how my work ultimately is to help envision the building of a new world, what I want to do is take these familiar images that have a lot of power and recontextualize them in a way that makes people um, able to reclaim the icons as their own, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so just to give an example... Uh, for the the viewers, listeners, um, uh, I have a Virgin Mary icon, but she's Our Lady of Anti-Fascism. So she has her face covered. Uh, it's black, red, and white. There are roses, the iron, a front symbol through her halo. Or uh, St. Michael, the traditional icon of him piercing the devil with a sword. But St. Michael is black and the devil is a cop. And St. Michael is the traditional patron saint of police officers. So it's sort of taking that traditional use, but twisting it in a good way, I think. Yeah, so. no, definitely. I mean, it, it, it's, to me, it's fascinating. So religious work always fascinates me. Anything which involves also religious work just absolutely fascinates me because I know I make a conscious effort to avoid anything religious in my work. And, I mean, I was raised Church of England, um, so I'm baptized and everything like that but my parents were never heavily religious um my grandparents 
kind of religious, um, but it's kind of half Catholic and then half into Church of England, and it kind of deviates. But my dad's never been pushed religion on me. My mum never has. But they were fully accepting of us kind of rejecting it. Um, but I have always taken it as, like, I know the dogma, and I know everything which goes with that, so I can push back on it, but I really avoid doing that. Because, I, I don't know, I feel like there's so much to go alongside it and so much concept which naturally comes with any iconography to do with it that I can't control it in a way. So when I put it into art, I'm like, hmm, there's a risk here that I'm I'm saying something I don't want to be saying. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly my most successful icons, like the two that I just listed, hmm. those were like not me thinking about it and figuring it out. It was like into my brain from heaven. Like it was like I saw the whole thing done and I was like, okay. So it's not like really my idea. And so I didn't have to think it through or worry about it being taken the wrong way. Because hmm. I think those are very clear. Like, I don't yeah. think they can be misconstrued. Um, no. But again, that was like just, I was blessed. I got like a divine transmission with those. So <laughs> I think it's interesting as well. You're kind of pointing out that, like, yeah, I mean, Da Vinci and the classical artists were all, you know, usually funded by the church in one way or another or, or pushed through the church. But then with that, that kind of comment of re religion is the way, you know, to make success in art, it is one of those weird kind of juxtapositions in a modern era now that you can either go one way or another. Either if you, if you, if you use religious iconography and you use it in a positive way, you'll get huge appreciation from religious communities because they see it as the progress, progression of, you know, their, their faith um, but then if you push against it it will also get you a lot of notoriety because people will look at it and go oh well I don't like this I'm going to give it a lot of attention because I don't like this mm -hmm. yeah and I also have like a fair amount of people who follow my work who are Catholics hmm. uh, or like you know Catholics who don't really go to Catholic church anymore believe in it who are yeah. like your work is so important to me and I love it so much because I lost faith in this like tradition basically yeah. and you're reclaiming it for me and for a, a vision of the world that I believe in um, and there's a lot of people not just within art but within uh, mysticism like there's this whole like movement to reclaim Christianity for more like anarchic you know, radical means like it is yeah. ultimately a radical religion or yeah, at its root. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, of course, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't have to go into the history. Like, of like with anything, if it lasts, lasts long <laughs> enough, eventually it'll corrupt. Like that's, that's just the way yeah. things go. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I found that very, very interesting. It's just, I'm kind of curious now though, like you mentioned, way back when we were discussing kind of going to college what did you do at college then if you abandoned I, art <laughs> oh i studied english literature okay um, I, I was a journalist for 10 years before i started well no i was drawing that whole time okay no wait no hold on i've like lost track lost track of you okay so i started drawing around when i started working as a journalist that was like right. 2012 Drawing, drawing, drawing till like, yeah, I started doing lino cut about three years ago. So that's 20, 2018, 2017 when I started doing relief printing. Nice. Um, but I was working as a journalist full time up until about three years ago. So um, doing podcasts. Doing podcasts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and working I mean, in the news for a little bit and... Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that, that. I think that I can see that in your work, like as a as a as a stylistic thing. I, I can see in your work, but I can see it in kind of your messages as well. Because, like you're saying, you, you know, you're taking pre-existing images and you're taking images which, to me, are media. You know, that 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 journalistic images, totally. and then you're blending that through religious iconography as well, and through the messages you're kind of putting out. But then at the same time, you're doing lino cut, which is a printing press process, which is all related to newspaper and everything, totally. which kind of drifts into that. So it's, it's, it's I, I almost feel like, it, is it intentional or is, did you 
just end up there and you've kind of done it sub- subconsciously? <laughs> That's a really good question. I think it must be like a uh, inherent need to want to affect public discourse, mm-hmm. I guess, right? Um, in a way that's impactful and, you know, podcasting is definitely impactful, but there's something about doing it in an, in one image. that's like very romantic and, uh, has a sort of like leftist quality and tradition to it that the press does too, mm-hmm. you know, but not so much these days. I think mm-hmm. it's easy, more easy to be radical as an artist than it is as a journalist in today's world, just because of how journalism functions as like a for-profit you know yeah Yeah. i think it's that balance isn't it between if you're if you're working for as a journalist working as a individualistic body is much harder to do whereas as an artist you don't really have to answer to anybody you can just create your work and throw out there whereas as journalism it's always going to have an editor it's always going to have those structures otherwise it's just a blog right or, you, yeah, you could be, like, a freelance journalist for newspapers that will publish more leftist content or sites that will, and there are some, and whatever. I mean, and the thing is, like, what's considered leftist isn't often always, like, radical. It's just, like, not capitalist. So people yeah. are like, oh, it's political, whatever. So. Oh, I mean, if, you, if you're in the UK, <laughs> leftist doesn't even have to be, you know, it can be considered capitalism. You, like, full on because <laughs> um, our, our left is represented by uh, essentially a centrist. So we're yeah. it's it's ble- it's so blended. <laughs> it's it's yeah. strange to see what people consider radical or extreme these days. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was. I feel like I was going to say something else, but I lost my train of thought. About... It'll come back to you. Trains come uh, on once a day. That's... Oh, I remember. I think it was about um, Malaleche, uh, okay. which is a scene that I helped publish, sort of continuing that journalism thread, right, of wanting to get in, get concepts that mm-hmm. I support, whatever, uh, out to as many people as possible, but, but still through a primarily print method. Um, yeah. Our zine is actually like a photocopied Xeroxed thing, even though it's it's also on the web. But it's important to us to have something like that free and available to the public for people who don't even have like an internet connection necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm planning on doing some wheat, more wheat pasting too. So like the idea of like trying to get my work out to the public without a lot of intermediaries like the internet necessarily. What is wheat pasting? Oh, well, um, thing is, well, you know, like when people make a illustration and they yeah. like paste it to the side of a building with the paste and it's made out of flour oh. and water. So that's called wheat pasting. Wheat pasting. That makes mm-hmm. so much sense. But I've never heard that term before. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see it in like old Fellini movies or. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I just call it fly posting. Oh, I never heard that term before. That must because, be like a American. Yeah, because it's you. You usually used it for like band flyers and stuff like that. And, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, like posters and all those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, Malachi um, intrigued me as well when I was looking through your back catalog. Thank because you. Because that's what I do. Look, we're people. very proud of it. Yeah, it's a uh, just so people know, it's a zine that publishes work from women identifying genderqueer and non-binary artists and writers in central Virginia. And it's pretty fucking excellent. Uh, we have some really talented folks who live here. So You do. As I keep finding out whenever I interview them. Thanks. Yeah, it, there's actually a uh, energetic hotspot here that kind of is like a hell mouth, like if you've seen in Buffy. Uh, I'm not kidding. Just somewhere <laughs> in the middle of Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. There are ley lines on the earth that have more energetic power. Mm-hmm. One of them is in like Sedona, Arizona. There's like some holy sites around the world. And Charlottesville is at right, one of the points. And, you know, we attract everything from like cool artists to Nazis. And it all converges here. I mean, if you're going to have one, you're going to have the other. Like, exactly. Yeah. Opposites attract and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I was kind of reading through um, Imalache work and kind of the whole idea of it. And I, I liked the idea of it being this kind of 
essentially the way I describe it is the same as the way I describe my zine, which is no point, is that it's it's creation of disposable content. It's to, it's disposable art, but it's embracing that idea of something being mass produced, repeated, and and pushed out. Which I've I've spoken to a lot of people about zines, and I, I often feel like it's kind of it's drifted away from that as a medium, like mm. idea. It That's kind of blends and people kind of... Yeah, I mean, obviously zines can be an art form in themselves and you can have really bespoke zines and stuff like that. So it was interesting to just kind of find another one which was like, no, we just... We produce this. It's funny you should say that, though, because our last issue is so nicely printed that people are like, you should be charging for this. This is, like, you know... But yeah. even if, if you could throw it away, right, the idea is that you... We want the zine to be so good you carry the images and stories in your head even after the zine is gone. Definitely, so. definitely. I do... I have a habit, because... So I mine, I produce as cheaply as possible. That's that's always my thing, of producing as cheaply as possible. I give it away for free as zine fairs, and I have run into exactly the same thing where people have said, oh. how are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You know, surely, can I give you something for it? I'm like, no, that kind of defeats the concept idea of it but i right i just i leave it in places and just abandon copies everywhere because i like the idea of people stumbling across things totally we have it at like five locations around town for people to to grab and um i think there's something in malaleche for everybody it's like a there's no you know it's it's themed but there's so much room for all of these different expressions of the theme or the vision for the zine that yeah it's Makes pretty special sense. i do have a question yes I have. um so the feminist union of charlottesville creatives is that pronounced fuk or fuck <laughs> it's pronounced fuck okay people, people do say fuk if they feel embarrassed and that's fine but yeah. it's technically fuck it's technically fuck. no it makes sense <laughs> i was reading i was just like hmm i don't I just don't know which way I would pronounce it. If I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We like people to have that moment of uncertainty. That's yeah. part of the the shtick. The shtick. I mean, I feel as artists, you you part of the job as an artist is to give people that uncertainty. Exactly. That's like the whole idea with messing with icons, right? Because for yeah. a moment you go, "Ooh, is this is this okay?" Even me, <laughs> you know. Do you have that? Is it, have you made things which you've, you've thought back, maybe I wouldn't? I don't, I can't do that I don't one. think so. No. No. Nothing you won't mess with? No. I definitely think about the Virgin Mary a lot in terms of trying to make her more sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've taken that conceptually in my head to a very far extreme. But um, I don't know. I... Uh, like I said, I kind of prefer to get the ideas from up there rather than trying to figure them out. So that's worked for me so far. Acting as a, a vessel, as it were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, art is very much channeling. At least it is for me. So. Yeah. I mean, we're very similar. We're very diff- different at the same time in terms of how I produce work. I mean, I'm non-religious in every capacity. Um, but at the same time, I I completely appreciate the work you do. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate as you as you ride through it. I mean, you you mentioned um, using Mary there as a prime example of what you what you produce. I also like the fact that I can, that most of your site just refers to it as Mary, like it's just a buddy. Like I know Mary, right? <laughs> Mary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a new level of comfort with religion, which I've never <laughs> really seen. Yeah, you know that I had not thought of that honestly. Um, I guess people do call her Virgin Mary or the Virgin Mary. Uh, I sometimes, when I talk to her, pray the Rosary, I call her Holy Mother or Mother, which is another intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's cool. She's like a. She has played a big role in my life through art, coming through art first. Like, and making her image so many times, she was sort of, like, knocking on my conscious mm-hmm. door, you know? Like, hey, I have something to give you other than just ideas for art. <laughs> and um, I think she's really taught me 
to nurture myself, uh, to realize that mothering or nurturing can be done in a healthy way that is fulfilling and, um, and also the, like she has this inherent strength to, and bravery and courageousness and Mm -hmm. consistency, this like consistent love that's very nurturing and healing. And I grew up, you know, I don't know if it was this way for you in the church of England, but there's so much focus on God, the father, God, the father. And I think Protestants really did a disservice, not paying attention to, to Mary because she in some ways is easier to talk to. I find than Hmm. this concept of this masculine God who's I found to be not that responsive. So, yeah, I think church of England, you, you don't necessarily get God as like a, like a higher being situation you get a lot of jesus Mm. there's a lot of jesus it's like you i think within catholicism in the uk it's a lot of god but in protestantism it's very much no jesus is your guy he's he's your buddy we we want to learn the ways of him and 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 do all this but mary does kind of fall to the sidelines like absolutely falls to the front but at the same time like um the disciples get a lot of attention Within. Yeah, and you know what? They were kind of jokers, in my opinion. <laughs> like when okay, so like when Jesus gets like arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, they all run away. Yeah, and and they hide after he's crucified, and the women are the ones who are tending to his body, and they walk with him with the cross. Like disciples mm-hmm. are fucking chicken shits. Like <laughs> I always find the the disciples kind of interesting in the sense of um, just looking at them as as being very human of, you know, if something goes wrong, we run. <laughs> I say, yeah, but he's the son of God. doesn't matter. We run. <laughs> we can only carry this so far. And then we're gone. Like, yeah. That is so much more generous than my response to them. <laughs> I mean, I can't talk. I, I abandoned it after <laughs> a very short period of time. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I also... It's funny, like, I studied a little bit of Bible history just in the last few years, and there are some versions of the gospel where Jesus is just outright, like, you fucking idiot, like, without saying it. It's like, you guys aren't ever going to learn anything. Fuck you. It's a realization halfway through, like, are my friends all idiots? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and meanwhile, Mary Magdalene and him were probably, like, tete-a-teting, just vibing off of yeah. each other's deep secret knowledge and the other disciples are like to be honest i think that's the point i think mary magdalene gets a lot more attention than virgin so mary true. that's so true and i don't know if that's necessarily just because that whole idea of um thinking of the kind of the virgin mary is like a a, a peaceful sacred icon right. and people are very comfortable with that people are comfortable with a woman knowing her place in terms of a religion. Whereas Mary Magdalene was obviously seen as having this background and everything like that. So they go, Oh, well we can, we can take shots at this. We yeah, can't do totally. that with Virgin Mary. Well, there's two things I think of with that. One is that I think Mary Magdalene was so maligned. If this is true, my, my hunch and why I think people like her is because the idea was that she was, you know, Jesus's confidant and had a much bigger role in his life than, you know, whether or not that was like involved sex or whatever. And also nowhere in the gospels does it say she was a prostitute, but that's like evidence, right? That she was maybe more important than we had been told. And the second thing is that the Virgin Mary, I think what's really interesting about her and I've started to work on a Virgin Mary Oracle deck also to, make this point through work but that she's actually a very radical figure like she has this prayer in the bible in luke um called the magnificat and it is arguably the most radical prayer in the entire bible um she's like basically like god has scattered the proud and the conceit of their hearts he has uh, struck down the mighty from their thrones and lifted up the lowly he has sent the rich away empty and fed the hungry with good things. And like, it's about this God who restores justice and, uh, and also she birthed God. Right. So like theoretically she's even more powerful, right. In a way. It, yeah. 
Yeah. So um, I think Mary is, it's interesting that you should say people are more comfortable with her. And I think they are because they don't understand her Yeah. in the way that she really is. Yeah. I think that it, it's that whole idea of she becomes a very pious, you know, otherworldly figure, spiritual so people kind of kind of say, oh, well, okay, yeah, you know, pure, pure, pure in there, but that's fine. We can focus on these other other aspects, uh, rather than doing what you do, which is reclaiming her in a way. She's amazing. I mean, she. If you think about her, like, you know, fourteen or fifteen years old in her room one day. If this happened, you know, in the for the sake of the story, mm-hmm. a goddamn angel shows up and is like, "Hi, first of all, hi." Second of all, you're going to have a baby because of God and like, and he doesn't tell her really. I mean, he's like, this is a path, but mm-hmm. she accepts. She like has the composure to not just go like, up, 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 up. She's like, so she's like, uh, here I am like the handmaiden of the Lord. Like I'm ready. It's I'm so inspirational. I'm curious now. I got kind of a couple of questions for you. In, in terms of just running off that thought. First question is how you feel about the depiction of angels. All right. Because every time I read about angels, they sound like the most crazy, like, otherworldly being. Yeah. And yeah, every time you see them, they're just people with wings. And I'm like, <laughs> I feel there's a missed opportunity within art to go, we could have had these amazing creatures. It's true. And we went, no, we're just going to do so I think that I have had an angel appear to me in a dream okay. before. That's possibly another story for a different day. But I think angels appear to us in a form that is less scary. Mm-hmm. So, like, for whatever reason, Ezekiel, when he saw that crazy-ass spinning wheel of eyes situation, I think, like maybe he was ready to see that in a way, or mm-hmm. it was like a different kind of level of experience. But like if an angel shows itself to a human, I think they do it in a way that we can process. Like maybe our brain can't even process anything beyond seeing something yeah. familiar. Um, and plus, I mean, angels are hot. Like I, I would say like, go for it, you know, like a sexy <laughs> angel. I do enjoy. There's a oh, what? There's a statue, and I don't know who made it. I think it's of Satan, and the a church banned it because it was too sexy. And then the brother of the sculptor made a second statue, which was even sexier. And I don't know. I don't. I feel like I saw that online somewhere, but I feel like that you was have to thing. send that to me. I will find that. I will find you, sexy Satan. We will say. <laughs> That's so funny. It's one of those. What is, yeah, Wait, why is someone? Oh, it was like a Satan was like in a statue with well, somebody he's, else. I he's he's like posed in a classic pose, but he was also extremely ripped Ooh. <laughs> and like, <laughs> tenuous. It, it was very much like you look at him and you went, "Hmm, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd get a little bit of that. Like, <laughs> I'd give a little bit of my soul." So just be to, hard to say no to that. Yeah, yeah you know. I feel like that's a, that's a whole thing when people, especially when people depict hell and 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 say and all those kinds of things. And obviously, in the past, it was always very demon, very goat, very horns, and that kind of thing. And it's like, well, no, but you kind of got to think if it's like an all powerful being, they can probably just look as hot as you want them to look. That's part of their charm, I would yeah. imagine. Just turn up and, and charm people. But my my second question then is is kind of. So you do approach religious iconography from the radical viewpoint of what it what it is at its core rather than what it is within within its dogma. Do you ever kind of find that you get resistance from artists who are anti-religion? And uh, that's a good question. Yes. Um, no. No. I mean, not me personally. Okay. But I do encounter leftists in general who are suspicious Hmm. of religious leftists if that makes sense i mean and and for good reason you know a lot of people have their own trauma associated Mm -hmm. with church church is a very coercive place violent not safe for many people um but i would say that my leftism is based in my theology ultimately uh 
And so I think that's, and like, if you think about like American history, like the church has been on the front lines of social change here in many instances, uh, during the civil rights movement most recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the Nazis came to Charlottesville, clergy were using their bodies to protect protesters. So I think that there is room for that, but there is a lot of antagonism within leftism towards Christianity, which I understand. But me personally, as an artist, I haven't really heard that. Most people are kind of like, okay, okay, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. But I find it interesting that when I do encounter people who are extremely left and have a problem with people who have faith, because usually along those lines as well, there'll be that other side to them, which is very about spiritualism. So whether it's kind of mm-hmm. Wiccan or any other, you know, faith within that realm, which I, in my mind, I classify it all together because it's all faith. Um, they, they, they're very against just Christianity. And like you say, yeah, there's, there is, there is very good reason for them to have hostility because of what they're presented with and what, you know, what you interpret as. I mean, I'm completely the same in the sense of my experiences with Christianity form a negative opinion. So there's no, no way around that. But I always find it very strange of meeting people who are very left who are like, "Mm, yeah, but there's, there's things we don't accept, you know, things which we will never trust rather than just going, well, no, people, people are people and they have their, their ways and and means about. Yeah. I think too, there is maybe some, something religion can teach us about. I mean, I think like a lot of leftists are very like materialist, right? There's Mm. this, disbelief in anything that can't be explained by objective reality. And I think that's a trap that keeps a lot of people from really appreciating how much the divine plays an active role in our everyday lives. You know, Um, there's a lot of things that we, that happen that we can't explain. And I think like, if you are a materialist, one should consider that our brains and our eyes and stuff are only available to process a limited amount of information like we don't really know the truth it's just what we know to the best of our ability so i think you have to be open yeah. to the idea that there are levels of existence that if you just have a purely objective materialist worldview you're going to miss out on definitely i think there's there's a there's in a way that that's to me is always kind of the humanity of us is that we even when you do get someone who is not open and someone who is completely materialist, it's people looking to define things because we as a species have a discomfort with things undefined and a discomfort with just going, actually, no, I don't know the answer. You know, I don't know anything and I'm not, no, I'm, I'm just, I can leave it alone. Like, whereas I, I, I kind of dive in and go, well, actually, no, I like the abstract. I like just not knowing anything. I, I can float in the black all I want. <laughs> Yeah, no totally. way away from it. Um, I just kind of looking back through your kind of your um, your liner cuts and your prints and everything. Kind of that is interesting. We mentioned uh, the whole graphic aspect of it. Of you, you, you mentioned on kind of your sites that you you look a lot at to German expressionists and how they reacted. And I found that interesting in, in sense of obviously the history of Germany and how German expressionism got going was this you know rebuttal of against things especially painting because it was like no we're gonna do painting how we want to do things so i found that yeah i love kata kolwitz she's my she's my i mean her work is just so it's so anti-establishment but in a way that is very personal Hmm. you know she had sons that were killed in world war one she was very anti-war fervently her whole life she was an advocate for the working class her whole life and it was just very genuine and and she was a housewife and a mother and um a prolific printmaker Mm. and also her style is so i like uh iconic uh icons um and I, and I love how contrasty and dark her style is and, and full of so much emotion. And um, our styles are very different, but I definitely like how I like her thick, chunky, she's very expressive yeah. way of carving. And um, I also like Egon Schiele, who's not German, but is in this same time frame, this, yeah. his figurative of... work. 
I find it interesting as well. I mean, your your work, I'd say, is quite um, elegant in terms of the okay. images you produce. And I mean, that may entirely be subject matter because, you know, Mary, one of them. Because um, I always think, whenever I think German expression, I think of Otto Dix. And oh, right, totally. All the work which was kind of post-war and everything like that. So to see it utilised, in a sense, to try and make something more ornate is... It's nice. Yeah, that's that's true. The subject matters are, it is a more elegant, refined subject Mm. matter, but with that raw energy of the expressionist. But I also want to, much like Kollwitz, like make work that has a message inherent in it. I mean, I think Kollwitz was much more subtle, which Mm -hmm. is also why her work is so strong, you know, Um, an, an image that involves a grieving mother in that raw energy says so much about the horrors of war in a way, in a way that I don't know that I would be capable of at this point for me as an artist, because she's capturing the emotion. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm more about like the composition and, and, and it's more like poster esque for me. I, I it, more media esque. And I'd yeah. say Colwitz is in a much more personal realm. Yeah. I think with Colwitz, you, you're running, you're running along that line of story with an image. Whereas approaching it from more of kind of like a graphic point of view, you, you essentially re- you remove the story. Because if you don't know what that imagery is, to you it's just there. It's just, you know, it's hearts and robes and whatever it needs to be within that situation. So you kind of make up your own story, I guess. Yeah, or it's, it's a story that's told through signifiers rather mm. than emotion perhaps um or about power dynamics inverting the power dynamics of the traditional image uh mm. to get the message across um yeah i'm trying to think about if any of my work has been like emotional in that like pathos sense like colwitz yeah. and i don't think so it's more like tongue-in-cheek i would say it has like a, a sort of um uh irreverence to it that i don't think colwitz I'm curious then. Do you, when you create art, do you get a catharsis from it? The act of carving itself is very cathartic. There's a physicality yeah. about lino cut that I like very much. It's addictive. <laughs> it's repetitive um, strain injury. You're just waiting to happen. <laughs> I, I I try not to do it too too often. There are some people who carve every day. I'm like. Pfft. No way. You just no have way. wrists of steel. Like, and your <laughs> neck. I mean, just no. Yeah. Um. Do I get catharsis? I get catharsis when I finish a print. Okay. The whole process is cathartic in the sense that it feeds me energetically, right? Mm. Like anything you do that makes the time go by so fast, that's really good. Um, but then when when it's done and I'm happy with it and I have it on my fridge, I'll just like stare at it for like, you know, five minutes at a time here and there and be like, good job. You did good, kid. <laughs> all i can think of is, is the complete contrast to when i finish something i look at it and go the fuck did we do <laughs> and then it'll take me a month or so to get really comfortable with it and then i'll be like okay maybe i'll share it now maybe maybe we'll we'll, we'll show it off a little bit um, <laughs> i like immediately scan it as soon as it's dry and put it on oh, wow. yeah i mean yeah <laughs> I don't know if I'd be comfortable with being that comfortable with myself. Like, that's a that's a question for a therapist. <laughs> that's not a question. For yeah, this. I'd be interested in your your astrological birth chart. I mean, I think that's that's why I kind of ask this because to me, when I create, uh, I I see the whole process as the cathartic part. That mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm embodying an emotion, I'm embodying an idea, and then I drag in imagery from pop culture and my life and any anything which i can visually represent because i know other people will be able to recognize those images and then i add abstraction within that so they have that initial reference we go oh well i recognize this picture of a dog but after that what's on top of that kind of goes it through so to me i'm I'm blending what my formative brain can do with my artistic brain Mm -hmm. um so to have a process or to have art which is to you that you know the, the actual the work is the the cathartic part and as much as it is but you're also trying to remove that it's fascinating remove what um i mean just that room make it kind of colder in a sense of you having 
you're putting work out there into a solid image and saying, yeah, you know, this is this is done, this is dusted. Whereas I, I don't know, I feel like there's oh, this like lack of organic yeah. connection between you and the work. <laughs> I don't mean that in an insulting way. Lack of organic connection. Well, there is like a less. I have always, even when I painted, I was like this. I would mm. I would work feverishly on something, and it would be done, and that was it. I'm like, I'm finished now with this. Okay. Well, it's it's out into the world. Um, and I would definitely say my work, even the divine downloads, are more kind of like into intellectual pieces and emotional pieces. Like, I'm not a Colwitz. I'm not a Rothko. Mm. There isn't so much of a, I'm trying to express something about myself that's true, but it's more like about myself as a Christian in the in my place in the world. Mm. Like it's more within a, a, a paradigm of of political conversation, more so than you know a German expressionist. That's very much about the personal pathos of yeah. participating in that. I guess that's interesting. So essentially, I mean, you've you've kind of taken what you initially started with when you're kind of doing your journalism and and all those kinds of things and you've kept the ideology but you've changed medium i've kept the ideology but without the hang-ups about objective truth maybe but but then at the same time i would say that i think the root of christianity when done right does have truths right whether or not they're objective in the materialist sense like could be proven by evidence but that i still believe very deeply you know yeah. That's yeah. interesting do you ever make completely personal work then like work you don't show people oh <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious um, why that was the reaction but yeah sure <laughs> i kind of beat myself up about not being more in a flow state and okay. i really admire that about your work and maddie's work and other people's work there is, you're not wrong in talking about a sort of emotional disconnect because I don't just sit down and let myself express myself artistically in that way. And I think it's because of the perfectionist thing. Okay. You know? And if, I mean, if I'm, and it's, it shouldn't matter because I'm the only one seeing it, but that's how hard I am on myself that I'm like, right. you know, but I think once we open back up to the world uh, after COVID, the one place that I did let myself do that was sketching people in a sketchbook in public. Because if you mess it up, it's not a big deal. It's just like that's part of the process of sketching people plain mm-hmm. air. Like you might not always get it right, especially if you're using pen or whatever. Um, so I got to go back to doing that and tapping into that part of myself because that's really healthy. Yeah, I think I, I mean, that's I think that's why it intrigues me so much, because I've I think I said on a recent um, solo podcast is I used art for the longest time as the coping mechanism um, mm-hmm. to deal with anything personal. And it didn't matter whether I show it to anyone. I was embracing it fully from the context of this is going to help me. It's about what I'm That's doing so with me. Good. Um, so good. And then I, I had to, I essentially had to learn the other side of it. I had to learn the media side of it and the production side of it and go, okay, well, you know, I can produce this into a product and I can, I can put this out there into the world and the print side. And I still hate graphic design and always will. Um, but it's just like one of those things of, yeah, I, I completely struggled with that half. So it's, you've come from completely the other angle. It's totally true. And you know, like I, I, uh, I think part of it too is because I know that I have a way of making striking images. I will Mm. like lend it out to people, you know, like I'll, I'll, it'll always be in service of something. And so yeah. there isn't a lot of time. I have not made the time in my life for that personal art journaling process, mm-hmm. but I really ought to. I really ought to. Definitely. <laughs> That's, yeah. you know, I think it's, it's one of those key things with art. You have to learn both sides. And I don't think that's taught to people enough. You, you, you do get very much stuck in that rut of some people get told, you know, you make art, cool that's fine but you've got to make a product you've got to make something you can sell yeah you've got to make industry from it or you get the flip side of that is you get very you know radical rebellious people who are saying no you you know you can't sell anything and Mm -hmm. only you know street art and public art is the real art because everything else is watered down and really you need to find that 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 middle ground totally and I think I am I feel more free to do it with music like Mm -hmm. I write songs once every three years 
often just casually that. slip that in there just like oh i do all this stuff but oh yeah but i do music as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can I'm... do that with songs but art i'm still too anal about it i don't know is it maybe just that difference between imagery and words words no, are easier to perfect melody i'm a melody girl but sometimes the words flow if i let them I did yeah. see a video on your Instagram of you playing what I assumed was I ukulele. I love country. I love, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did I did a cover of NSYNC. But I love writing country songs. In an alternate life, I would have been a Nashville country songwriter. You're in Virginia, so. Yeah. That's that's country all through and through, right? It's true. It as is. As far as I know. Again. Some, my... some, I think people in Tennessee might, dif- might disagree, but, you know, it is the South. It is. It's not northern is the way i think of it no i mean i'm I'm from middle england so we get told we're not southern we're not northern so nobody wants to accept us either way but they also don't want to admit that we exist because we're in the middle so i can can appreciate yeah not being southern enough there and, and these kinds of like regional rivalries must go back like literally centuries right so yeah Yeah, we never let anything die in the UK. <laughs> Hold a grudge for the rest of our eternity, as it were. I mean, in terms of kind of your outlook, then you, you mentioned um, Virginia and Charlottesville being kind of a little bit of a hub at the moment for for new artists and, and extra going on. What have you got working on in the pro- at the moment? Then? Um, well, uh, I'm working on a wheat paste, as I said, mm-hmm. which is uh, very exciting. That will. Hopefully, I probably will not document it because it's not technically legal. Um, yeah. I will document it and I'll post it on my website in like a year. Um. <laughs> I find if you're going to do something which is, and this is advice for any artist listening, is do not record yourself doing the act. You can record the act, like the, the finished product. Just don't record yourself doing the act and don't have anyone around to witness you doing the act. Because then if someone comes to you, you can deny it. And that's the simplest method I can give you. Yeah. So I'm working on a big six-foot piece, which mm-hmm. will hopefully go up tomorrow, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Is that a six-foot lino cut? It's a lino cut that I put on an overhead transparency, and I'm now tracing on paper with Sharpie. Okay. Because I couldn't think how you would print a six-foot lino cut. <laughs> you, you could print... Oh, no, no. I have no fucking idea how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's, yeah, I've no, no, sorry. Massive. <laughs> yeah. Um, someday, perhaps, maybe I'll make a big six foot lino cut. But um, and then I'm also working on a Virgin Mary Oracle deck, which will be 44 cards of all lino cuts. Uh, Oracle decks are fortune telling devices, divination devices, I should say, much like tarot cards, except it doesn't have the traditional tarot structure. Hmm. It will be 44 different incarnations of Mary. Um, and the goal is to introduce people to her more radical and, um, parts of her that the church might want to look over or, um, you know, there's a a bunch of different apparitions of Mary that have happened all over the world. Um, just all that sorts of stuff. But, uh, hopefully that will come out like next year. It's going to be, I've made six, I'm making the sixth card. I was going to say, that's a long process, 44 cards. It will be long. Yeah. I like projects which take a while, though. Me too. I think, I've, I think that's the, one of those things of, like, we're seeing you doing multiple projects. Is I like running multiple projects because it means I can work on one, and then when one of them dies down a little bit, I can work on another. And then just gradually riff my way. Yeah. And it's, it's good to not be lino cutting all the time, as I mentioned. So Yes. For your health. And- and everything else Mm -hmm. (laughs) involved in that i'm trying to do one a week but so far i haven't been that disciplined so we'll see how it goes i mean that's still a lot that's still it is a year at least almost Mm -hmm. of your entire life Mm -hmm. i know could it'll be good it was that was like last year for me in quarantine i i think you maddie talked about this a little bit about how productive artists have or haven't Mm. been and i fell into the camp of I made like 30 lino cuts last year, some crazy amount. I yeah. just, I don't know what happened. 
<laughs> Something took you, and you're just like, no, I'm making, I'm making a lineup class now. I'm doing, doing this. I mean, I, I can appreciate that. I mean, I've been doing my daily streams again because of second lockdown. Yeah. And yeah, that's 160 days of, at this point, of just turning up every day. That's that's really admirable. I mean, co- any anytime you're committed to something to do it daily for that long, that's that's not easy to do. See, people say it's commitment. I kind of feel like it's more like attendance because it's already in my house. <laughs> I'm going to be here anyway. All I really commit to is just turning on the camera. And that's, yeah. All right. Well, I'll downplay it. That's <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the idea of ego and Graham. <laughs> Either side. Um, but no, I think, you know, this brings us around to a couple of lovely points. I definitely think, you you, you know, exploring that other side of personal artwork is something which everyone should get into definitely yeah yeah i would say i'll show you what i do but that's not the point so yeah. i, I mean you, I, technically i have a zine <laughs> where you can anonymously submit it and then you can run you you avoid all fear of it being wrong or anything like that that might be good for me because i was just gonna say but other people will see it graham i don't want to do that <laughs> no, this, essentially i mean People, no, I was going to say people like you, but you're an artist. People who don't create art was re- the reason I started making the zine, mm. to encourage them to make art. Because so many people had said, oh, well, like, you know, I can't draw or I can't write. And then, you know, they clearly can. I just said, well, no, if we remove all names and we remove all ownership of it, and then I just publish it out into the world for free, you get to create, you get the catharsis of seeing out there. You know what? This brings to mind, um, there's this comic book artist. Oh, she won the MacArthur Genius Grant. Linda Bear? No, it's not Linda Berry. Maybe it's Linda Berry. Anyway, she has, she has this comic book skill building exercise where she has you draw four panels of things that happened in your day and you're only allowed to take five minutes per panel. And so the drawings that you do are like crazy. Right, because you're trying to like draw yourself, yeah. all the shit in the background. It's but the result is so fucking hilarious. Like when I was doing this for a couple of weeks, I made myself laugh so hard with these drawings, and I was like, people. I posted one on my Instagram, and no joke, someone said, "This is the best drawing you've ever done." <laughs> and I and I'm now realizing from this conversation that that might be a really good way to get into this because yeah. it's like if you time yourself, you literally can't fret over anything. You just have to be like. Well, I, I think that's the thing. I think it, I always say that you, you know, there's the what, the reason why I put it was you need to find a hostile audience once in a while. Mm. You know, you, it's so easy to get trapped in that that idea of you know producing the same idea, producing the same work, produce work which gets you positive feedback because right. you know that's the way to do it. So every so often you need to throw it to someone who hates it, you know, who you know is going to hate it, so it kind of comes back. So that whole idea of pushing, you know, a restriction on yourself or limiting yourself in a way yeah that drives that completely drives that. i think there's a there's a matthew barney um sculpture where he, he talks to like a, a bungee card to himself and then the paper's on a wall like six foot higher and he has to get to the paper to draw so he gets like one line in at a time and then gets dragged back and that's to me funny. it's like yeah that's you know ah we put we put we put uh restrictions in place so then we can break them. <laughs> That's so funny. These are positive messages for artists. I feel. Definitely. But they should definitely check out your work as well. Thank you. Yes, they could do that at uh, RamonaMartinez.net. You could do that on Instagram at by underscore Ramona underscore Martinez. Ramona with an A. Martinez with a Z. Links will be in the descriptions. Links will below. be in the descriptions. <laughs> I like the fact that you had to think about that. Yeah, a few moments ago, you completely recited what Mary had said in one of her writings without even hesitation. <laughs> I literally looked at my vaccine card the other day after the nurse told me what my birthday was or asked me, what is your birthday? And I was like, and then I told, and I was like, why did I look at my car? That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I got to double check these things once in a while. Like, yeah, um, but thank you for coming on the show. I think we can thank round you this for in. Having me, yes, it was such a pleasure. And um, 
I love talking about art with you. You give me a lot of food for thought, like for my own process. And I can't, I can't uh, thank you enough for that. It was like a good studio visit with, with an, I mean, talking to other artists is just medicine. So thank you very much. You're welcome. I do, I, I do have a bad habit of just giving people too many ideas. <laughs> it's one thing though. of being us and then they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. I'm like, well, here's 20 other things you could also think about <laughs> that's good maybe you should be like i mean you are a curator right you curate a zine and curate you a host zine. a podcast so you yeah. get to do that all the time i, I right. find people to talk to i think are going to be interesting and inspiring well sometimes they come find me in your case thank you for coming along and in which case we will sign off and talk to these guys later Bye, guys and girls and non-gender conforming individuals. Which is the long way of saying guys. <laughs> <laughs>